0: your host, Lindsay Schultz, founder of Feed Your Can, a lifestyle brand that empowers people with food allergies to live fully. You'll learn life hacks and mind snacks so you can thrive each day. You may need to restrict foods, but never the fun. Our kids navigate eight categories of food allergies altogether. We're learning every day. We refuse to let fear hold us back from living life. We welcome you to Feed Your Can, Even when some foods you just can't. When I tell somebody that I've just met my kids have food allergies, the question I always get is why are food allergies rising? They weren't around when I was a kid. Why does it seem like so many more people have them? And this was something that troubled me for a long time. It still does, honestly. I don't know that we have landed on one answer. It is a question that continually requires explanation. For a long time, Researchers and scientists landed on what was called the hygiene theory, which was just that our society was over-sanitized and a little bit more sterile than it used to be. As a parent, you hear that and you think, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have Cloroxed the counters. And I used Dawn soap for bottles that my kid drank out of. Maybe, maybe I should have just lived in a pigsty after all, and instead of putting all that guilt on myself on why my house wasn't always clean. And that's kind of ridiculous because one, that's just adding more guilt. I mean, you have a kid and all of a sudden you feel like you're this fiercely protective human trying to keep another human alive and you're already feeling guilty. Mom guilt is real. Parent guilt is real. Just adding that explanation to the already full, full list of guilt is not helpful. And actually, it's not true. The hygiene theory has since been replaced by other factors. On today's episode, we're going to talk about why food allergies are rising, and no, it's not your fault. Okay, let's just get the bad news out of the way. Food allergies are definitely on the rise. With food allergies, we still have more questions than answers. There are medical experts and researchers that are in discovery mode, trying to understand why food allergies exist, where they came from, how best to prevent them, and even how to treat them. The good news here is that with all of this focus, there are so many more research organizations actively exploring clinical trials, different treatment routes, aiming for solutions that are sustainable for the long term. In the meantime, we have to live our lives, and we can't wait for these answers. The clinical trials will take a long time. However, it is a promising time in food allergy. Let's face it, it is an overwhelming time too. It's scary because every day we're eating multiple times a day. But at the same time, we have to hold on for hope that there are better days ahead. I want to disclaim before we go further, I am not the medical expert. I'm not the one working in the discovery fields of research and science. I'm a passionate parent of three kids who navigate multiple allergies And we are also taking part right now in oral immunotherapy for egg for our oldest son. This has been honestly a challenge. We're very involved in better treatments to find a quality of life that we can all be happy with. I'm going to draw my information from evidence-based data from the top researchers that I trust. I'm going to refer to those people so that you know where I'm citing my information from. For those who are less familiar with food allergies as a whole, I think it's important to start with the definition of a food allergy. According to the American College for Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, a food allergy is an overreaction of one's immune system to a perceived threat, which is a food protein. Our immune system's job, if we remember, is to protect us from germs and diseases. So when a food protein is ingested, our immune system perceives that food as the enemy And it releases histamines and other chemicals to attack the food and protect us. Our immune system is triggering cells to release these antibodies that are called immunoglobulin E, or IgE, and it helps bring our body back under control. So if we come into contact with that same food allergen in the future, those IgE antibodies will act as guards and they will signal a histamine response, which looks like an allergic reaction. As we know, symptoms can range from mild to the life-threatening kind that require epinephrine when a person goes into anaphylaxis. According to FAIR, the food allergy research and education nonprofit in the United States, over 32 million Americans have food allergies, which is about 5.6 million kids under 18. That equates to about 10% of adults, and if we're looking at a classroom for kids, it's about 1 in 13 children, or roughly 2 kids in every classroom. When you look across the year, almost 200,000 people are requiring emergency medical care. Every 3 minutes, a food allergy reaction is sending someone to the ER. When we look at the culprit, over 90% of reactions are occurring from nine food allergens. In the U.S., those are required to be labeled and disclaimed on manufacturer food labels. However, there are more than 170 foods that have been reported to cause allergic reactions overall. So when we look at that, we know that this is not something that's slowing down. In fact, it's becoming a little bit more complex. As to what and why and how 170 different foods are now triggering these types of reactions in people. On top of that, there is no one test that can accurately confirm if a person has food allergies because symptoms are pretty unique to each person. It's a little bit of a nonlinear path. There's not one test that can just tell you does the blood work indicate it? Does the skin test indicate it? No, in fact, Those two tests have to be put together, and then the only third component that can really confirm if you have that food allergy, if the blood and the skin work, don't tell the story, is an oral food challenge, which terrifies people. They don't want to eat the thing that's going to make them sick. Another complexity is that many conditions do affect the immune system, and sometimes these symptoms can often overlap and look similar. So if you have heard of celiac disease, that's an autoimmune disease, but it's not a food allergy. Or some people have food intolerances, which is when the food is not digested properly, but that does not involve the immune system. So the word food allergies can be misinterpreted when people don't understand that the immune system is involved. Some of these statistics and facts that I just rattled off about Americans living with food allergies came from research that was conducted by Dr. Rushi Gupta. She's a world-renowned professor and public health expert in food allergy. She's also known for groundbreaking research in the areas of allergy and asthma epidemiology. I pay attention to her work, and most recently, she released a book entitled Food Without Fear. It helps define a full spectrum of adverse food conditions that are leaving people feeling miserable. Dr. Gupta calls some of these conditions masqueraders. The symptoms might mimic food allergy, but in fact, they are not life-threatening. She says this might lead people to think they have a food allergy, when in reality, it's a different disease altogether. In her book, she offers a helpful framework and a practical approach to helping dial down these fears. And really, what I love the most is that she really takes the time to untangle some of the confusion happening for people with these food-related conditions and empowers them to take some of that control back so that they might find ways of eating safely and getting back to living. Even with that said, Actual diagnoses of food allergies are still on the rise. The full picture is still very fuzzy on why some people get food allergies and others don't. It's a really complex matrix. It's still under discovery, as I mentioned, by hundreds of researchers. And if it were straightforward, we wouldn't get asked this question all the time. And we'd have more of a clear picture on the cure for food allergies. Theories do vary. But there are some consistent factors that are unanimously supported. Genetics, environment, diet, lifestyle all seem to be contributing factors to the spike in allergy cases. Of course, these factors play different roles, and the dynamic landscape of research continues to raise more questions than answers. It's definitely not straightforward. Even with theories such as that hygiene hypothesis, which suggests that we sterilize our environments, it's not that simple. There are other factors at play besides this one area. Dr. Kari Nato is a leader from the Sean N. Parker Center for Allergy and Asthma Research at Stanford University. She co-authored the book The End of Food Allergy, which naturally piqued my attention. Based on scientific research, she points out, some interesting lifestyle actions we can consider adopting to prevent food allergies. She gets us closer to helping our immune systems develop properly and help identify the right threats for our system. I really like what she did in trying to synthesize her findings. She came up with a wealth of evidence saying that six D's are helpful. Let me walk through those. Number one, make sure your vitamin D levels are good. If you can, keep a dog while your kids are small. Have a good dirt around you to bring diversity into the gut's microbiome. If you can avoid dry skin, that will help keep the skin barrier intact. Researchers have found when babies have eczema, it opens up the skin enough for allergens to seep through and affect the immune system. Avoiding strong detergents that irritate the skin is another way to keep that barrier tight. Finally, diversifying the diet early matters for the baby. These six D's are helpful insights to know and put the power back in our hands. It gives us a little bit more control on what we can do. Some of these actions will not help a child who has already been diagnosed, but they are excellent practices overall to consider and share. Don't beat yourself up though if you think you caused your child's food allergies. Trust me when I say this. I have struggled with guilt personally in causing our kids food allergies. But reading her book helped me to understand that the factors are far too complex and that research is just ongoing. We don't have clear answers yet. You see, I'm a problem solver by nature. And I know it can be so frustrating to hear because if there's a problem, I immediately jump to how can I fix it? We want clarity. I want confirmation. I want to know what is happening and why. I can handle bad news, but don't just leave me hanging, right? Listen, I blamed myself for years. I still struggle with it at times. But what I've learned is that I can manage my own energy and turn it towards healthier outlets. I've learned that guilt weighs me down. It doesn't serve as a productive use of my energy. It's okay to sit in it, but you got to move through it. For me, I understood that I needed the space and the time to process a lot of heavy emotions, but it didn't feel great to stay there. And I was finding that I was attracting that self-fulfilling prophecy of more toxicity and would commiserate. It just didn't feel good. It was creating harm in my mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. I had to let it go. But what I do is I replace the guilt with just tracking the evidence-based research, treatment options, clinical trials. I still want to know. I still want to know why. I can't fix it. But I can have some control on understanding if there are available treatments or seeing if people are finding life hacks better ways to just live their lives fully and that's what i'm interested in i've learned that with my energy it's limited and i also learned i can either drain it preserve it or multiply it and i love that thought it kind of reminds me of money (laughs) you could spend it you can save it or you can invest it and i really like the idea of investing my time and energy towards something that's going to serve well a lot longer than my feelings of guilt that just weigh me down so if you're struggling with this as well here are some tips that you might want as you process your own heavy emotions first acknowledge the guilt it's okay to sit with it it won't go away it gets uglier it starts to drag us down but sometimes we just need to deal with it head on So don't shove it aside. Don't bury the emotions. Face it. Talk through it. Find somebody who understands or could just be a soundboard so that you process outwardly what you're going through. You don't have to stay trapped in that space because that will actually drain your energy. But when you process it, you learn to let go and you learn to accept what you can't change. And when you let go of that, you're now preserving your own energy. If you're actually using your energy as you process it and get through it to help someone out or to better someone else's life or to add value back into the food allergy community somehow or just in your world in general, you are investing your energy in the right way. I promise you that if you surround yourself with positive, People, topics, and possibilities, you will preserve your energy, definitely. But you know what you'll do? You'll multiply it. It's going to be this circle. Figure out how do you multiply your energy? How do you release that tension? How do you let those feelings go, but use that energy for good? For me, I've been working out partly as a state of mental sanity, partly as a way to invest back in myself. Because I know that when I reach my capacity and something tips me over, if I'm working out, I can handle a little bit more. I'm not up to my full capacity. So for me, it's a pretty deep reason for wanting to work out. It's not just to look better. It's really to feel good and to feel like I can handle what life is going to throw at me. So figure out what are you investing in? How are you able to preserve your energy, but also then use it for good. So if you're struggling with getting there and you're still in the heavy, heavy spot of just sitting with the yuck, try to just do this. Trap your negative thoughts. Catch yourself in a moment of just wallowing and ask, is this useful? Is this useful? It may force you to chill out for a minute and bring back some reasoning. It may force you to reflect a little bit and decide to either sit in it longer or drop it and move through it. Or face it head on and process it. Or give something back to a community that you believe in. Or just simply let it go. Whatever your choice, those three words are powerful. And they're really good to just check in along the way so that you don't stay in the guilt. So now that you know that food allergies are not your fault, it's still a very complex picture, and there's a lot of research ongoing, I hope that you can find a way to just preserve your energy and perhaps even multiply it. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share, subscribe, and leave a review. You can also visit feedyourcan.com to grab a freebie or subscribe to our newsletter. Remember, feed your can because some foods you just can't.